Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Yeah, <laughs> we're finally live and uh, together again for the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the SteelerFury.com podcast. Um, this is your host, Bradshaw the Bad. I'm trying to think, is this, I think this is season eight, episode six, I want to say. I can't remember if it's five or six. I think it's six. We're, we're, we're rolling in season eight, apparently. Uh, I have with me, as always, a uh, friend of the program, uh, delightful uh, pundit on the Steelers and all things post-Steelers with the fifth uh, – I can never remember the name of your stupid call. I'm so sorry. The fifth quarter? Uh, sometimes, yeah. It didn't have a name for the first couple of years, so I think that's what we call it now. Yeah, well, that's why uh, I guess we, we, you need a fifth after you watch the Steelers play generally. There you go. Um, anyway, that guy is Steel Purge. He's with us. How are you, sir? 0-1. That's how you are, exactly. Uh, and also with us uh, is the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the rarely cited from somewhere in the, the, the southern United States wilderness. That man is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I'm well, and how are you? I'm okay, man. I'm uh, 0-1, you know? Yeah. But it's it's an 0-1 that wasn't, like, entirely unexpected. It's, it's much worse when you lose games that you're uh, you've ex- fully expected to win than it is when you lose a game that you had a – chance to win and could have won if you'd done some things differently, but it didn't go your way or you didn't do the right things, whatever. Uh, but, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. So since we are, uh, FC, I'm going to start with you. What was your uh, – you, you, you were sort of like half glass, glass half full or glass half empty in regards to Thursday night's uh, loss? There was things that were better than I expected, the things that I expected to be shitty or shit. Um, my my complaint would be actually uh, personnel usage, player, you know, it's obvious. You know, Brennan Boykin playing zero snaps is ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, but there, you know, was positives. Um, you know, I, I thought Shazier looked better than I expected. Um, but the pre-flashed. Um, there was other disappointments. I, I was very, very unimpressed with Steve McClendon and with McCullers on the inside. Um, I don't believe either one of our defensive ends is really a functional defensive tackle um, from an interior rush. I mean, from a, a playing the run aspect, I mean, uh, to it and Hayward have problems whenever they're slid inside of our guards, especially in the run game. Um, the offense looked good. Imagine we get Bell and fucking Bryant back. You know, um, D'Angelo Williams, I was one of the few people who thought that he had a little bit left in the tank. Not as much as he showed. If he continue, if, 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 if he performs that well for the next three games, I think it was a great signing. Um, ben, I didn't think was that sharp. I, I, he missed balls. Um, I have high expectations. 
and we didn't win, and there was balls that were missed, so he's the quarterback. But, you know, our offense put up enough points. Um, the defense, you know, uh, got to be better. it got to be way better if they expect to win games. Yeah, and Perch, when they're when they're kind of slowing down the game, playing you know very balanced uh, offense and and taking a lot of time between plays and so on and so forth, it's imperative that they score whenever they have opportunities and that the defense doesn't make any glaring errors. I, I don't know, did you see any glaring errors from the defense in this game? No, I mean it was mostly a talent issue and it was a Tom Brady issue where he was you know you look at the uh, passing chart that was. Uh, listed after that game, and you see these clusters of where Brady completed all his passes. They were about six yards downfield to the sideline for about 90% of his passes that he threw, and they were all complete, you know, because it wasn't contested. It was we were willing to give him those six-yard catches, and then they averaged another five yards of run after the catch on top of that, and he was basically just stepping back and loading the ball, which eliminates any threat of a pass rush. Because New England's offensive line isn't that great. We could have gotten home if we had any sort of coverage. That's why every other decent defense in the league now, they get press man coverage and they get athletic edge rushers and they force you to hold that ball for the extra second so either the pass rush gets home or you're forced to throw into coverage. We do neither. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, but I mean, also the mental breakdowns. When you when you play with 10 guys on the field, when you don't cover Rob Gronkowski, you know, they're, they're, this is – the kind of thing that you can't afford to do against New England. And, the, and those happens were out of, what, 60 snaps, we had three or four things where they went to a hurry up and we had, I think, Cortez Allen forgot he was playing football and didn't go on the field to one play. And, and there was some communication issues back there, but those guys didn't practice together. They didn't even know Will Allen was a starter until this week. And Mike Mitchell's been out all preseason. And, and who knew who, who the hell the starting corners were going to be? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, of course there's going to be some communication issues there. But, you know, that I don't think is what cost them the game. Um, it just, you know, when it when it comes down to it and you have three or four mistakes like that against the willing, then, you know, that, that's too many. But uh, it just, you know, the whole thing Yeah, mistakes just, on offense too, Perch. I mean, that's the thing. It's not just – it wasn't just – we had mistakes on special teams, mistakes on offense, mistakes on defense. You know, that defined the game really. Well, the biggest thing was the efficiencies. I mean, the Steelers, when they had drives, they would get 12-play drives for 60 yards and then miss field goals, or they'd have to settle for field goals. New England had four good drives the entire game, and all four ended up in touchdowns. Their other drives were four plays, three plays, five plays, six plays, basically one first down and punt or no first down and punt. You know, if our offense was punching in touchdowns when they got down, they would have won the game. They would have controlled the game. But, you know, our offense – calls trick plays inside the red zone or where New England's just, you know, chucking the ball to their tight end and, and scoring touchdowns. So, yeah. Hey, uh, F- FC, speaking of the tucking the ball to tight end for touchdowns, when New England has the ball first and goal on the one-yard line, um, I'm, I'm thinking like FC. When I see Rob Gronkowski split out and Terrence Garvin on him, why does Terrence Garvin not just literally bear hug him at the snap? What's the downside? You, have, you know what I mean? You have first and goal. The worst case scenario is you get half the distance to the goal and they're going to go again. But it's like if you if you know you've got this you know mismatch on the edge and you're unlikely to be able to to uh, chuck him, what's the difference? You know why not try to get a chuck on him? And if you realize he's going to get away, just literally grab him. This is what this is what FC would do, right? Correct. 
Yeah, because that's like New England's play where they shifted on the goal line. They know there's no downside if they get called for a neutral zone violation. Well, they're they're just going to lose, you know, three inches or something like that. So why why care? You know. Anyway, this is, this is my thought uh, at the time. I know that there was a lot of call for a timeout, but I don't even know that that's the place necessarily to spend a timeout because they're going to do the same thing to you again once they bring yep. in heavy personnel and spread them out like that. You you know you have your goal line defense on because you have to protect against a run. So it's, it's what the, it's a that's a talent mismatch you were talking about, right? It's a talent mismatch at the at the matchup. Um, I don't think the New England was necessarily more talented than the Steelers the, the, the overall, I, which would surprise some people. If we had Brian and Bell, I think we would be a more talented team than the, the New England Patriots. I, 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 the, the Steelers' problems were self-inflicted, in, in my opinion, a lot of them. Yeah, well, for the season, where there is actually very knowledgeable Steelers fans. That I'm not talking about. You know, anybody like and like you have Ryan Clark and like people like that, hand jobs. But, you know, people in the know that are saying, you know what, this team might be lucky to win six or seven games. I don't see that. I, I think offensively we still have talent, but defensively we we're dumb and soft and we lack talent. We need a big time infusion of talent on the defensive side of the ball, in the backfield especially. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I really don't understand about this game is if you followed, which we all do, what the Steelers did in training camp. And they did seven plays where they'd put the offense down in the red zone and they'd go seven plays against the defense. And if you followed that, they, they would throw touchdowns on over half of their attempts. So when they get into their first regular season game of the year against New England, who has a, basically a brand-new secondary, they put two fullbacks in the backfield and run a fullback. They take the ball out of Ben's hands. They first down and goal from like the six or seven. They'll they'll run D'Angelo and then they'll they'll run a second play. And then now on third down they might let Ben throw once. Why not get down there and throw three times? You know if the Patriots get down there, they're giving the ball to Brady. They're spreading you out. They'll put you know like they did in the game three or four tight ends on the field, find the two that are the most athletic, get a matched up on outside linebackers and, and throw a touchdown pass. It just you know when the Steelers get down there. Haley wants to go and, and either be cute and call a trick play or try and, you know, go with this macho, we're going to run two fullbacks into the middle of the line. Will Johnson being in the game in the goal line over D'Angelo Williams was mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah, sure, he's a little bit heavier, but, you know, running, you need to have vision. You need to be, have instincts. You're taking Will Johnson, who wasn't even a college running back, and putting him in, in the game because he's – 10 pounds heavier, it just, it, it's mind-blowingly stupid, and hopefully we don't see it again. I'm sure we will. Well, I know I they talked about, actually, I'm gonna, I'll give it to you in just one second, but, you know, they talked about uh, at the cut that they were looking for a bigger running back. Uh, you know, they seem to be obsessed with having this, this power, but, but Perch, I'll just question for you, which is, if what you're going to do is run a guy dead into the middle of the line, as, it just, as you said, macho run plays, which is, I think, exactly what they were trying to do, then maybe it is better to have Will Johnson in the game. I completely disagree with that. I mean, it's 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 vision too. I mean, it, you know, Bell and uh, the, the other backs they have, like Todman, they just picked up. These aren't small running backs. It's not like we have Willie Parker and we need a bigger guy. These are big, strong NFL running backs. They can score. They can get that yard. And a lot of times it's vision or quick. I'm sorry. Are you you guys hearing that? I'm sorry. I think I have a New England broadcast in my headphones. 
Hey, that only happens when that only happens when we talk off. We, we mentioned this individual earlier. I'm sorry, like I can't hear. Hang on, wait. There, it's gone now. Go ahead. <laughs> it isn't annoying, right? It's, I'm sure we could be able to do the show with that going on. Why would that affect us at all? I don't understand. Why was the problem? So, that always happens when we do podcasts from here. <laughs> It's true. Sorry, Perch. I, I, I had a laugh. I said what I said, David. I said what I said. So, yeah, I mean, I'm. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Perch. Playing running back in the red zone is is more about than just being big and strong. And I'd I'd also take you know be willing to chance you know is Will Johnson even the strongest running back we have down there? I mean, sure, he's you know a little bit heavier and physical. I just don't think he's that great of a running back. You know why not? No, I mean, a def- why not put in Daniel McCullers if you want to be macho about it and say, "Hey, McCullers, carry this ball for a yard." I mean, that's basically what it did. You know, you don't, I guess you had a running back thing- just getting six yards to carry. I'm sure he could find a way to get a yard down there instead of giving it to a fullback. It just it's it was stupid. But okay, but FC, here's the, here's my argument about it. Our, our offensive line comes up small in goal line. Every I mean, for for two or three years now, it's, this is no coincidence, right? I mean. Nah, the goal line's tough to to to, to block up. The, the only thing I'm gonna, I'm going to add on this is, in my opinion, probably the three best short yardage backs over the last 30 years were under 205 pounds. They would be Marcus Allen, Emmett Smith, and I might get a little bit of an argument on this third one uh, for short yardage, but I mean, uh, with Damian Tomlinson managed to get in there. Pretty fucking well. And yep. I don't think you have to be a big back. Yep. So, you know, um, and I mean, you would not describe any one of those three as a big back. And uh, it's one, two, it's effort, it's vision, it's analyze. The running back has to look at the defensive front and the goal line. And you, if, if a certain play is called and you see, hey, we got a back a strong safety, a defensive tackle, and a fucking nose guard covering the A, the, the a gap, the, 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 the center guard gap to the right, I'm not going to be able to score there. So I might want to have to, you know, cut this back over left guard where be a little bit more successful. And that's yeah. where vision and intelligence and football IQ comes in. And I think that the backs I named have it. I don't think Will Johnson's a natural runner. I think we would have been better off with D'Angelo Williams. I you, you want a good fucking laugh? I think we, we would have been better off with Dry Archer than fucking uh, Will Johnson. They're running back because at least with Dry Archer you have to throw. Oh my, they're going to try to run this little bastard on a you know just, uh, out on a swing pass. So yeah. you know you're going to you know maybe free up the edge or maybe you know slow down the that interior rush. Maybe you'll move that strong safety out of the a gap and maybe he you know goes normally where the middle linebackers at. Yeah, I mean the other it's, thing is that of course you you could. Uh, Sneak Ben behind DeCastro in, in theory, you know, like you, we don't do that anymore either. It's, just, it's like you, like Perch said, we're, we're limited to either totally, you know, cutesy plays in goal to go situations or, you know, macho running up the middle. It's, it, I mean, even an edge run uh, at the goal line, we haven't seen that much in the last couple of years. We seem to be so limited in, in the number of plays that we run anyway, but particularly in that, in the red zone, we seem to lack imagination, which after they spent the whole, training camp working on, you know, a place from the two yard line, you would think that they would be a little bit better at executing. 
at this that's, point. That, that's true. And, but another thing that we got to remember is we're real fucking Pittsburgher. We just spent probably 10 minutes talking about the run game where we are probably <laughs> the best back in the NFL. Wow. We average right around, what, five, six yards a carry. And, you know, it's still it's below the line, boys. It's below the line. It's, no matter how much we want to get away from that, you know, talking about the run game, it's even for the three of us who, outside of Nick, I would say it's all about, you know, chucking the duck, mounting Mouse Davis, let's put points up on the board, you know, let's throw the football. Um, we still come back to talking about the run game for 10 minutes, even when we had success. Yeah, this is true. And actually, I have to say, you know, between the, whatever, the 20s, between the 10s, we have as good a running game as anybody has. It's just when it gets in the tight spaces and the, they, they lack the passing threat, uh, you know, bringing the safeties away and the linebackers away from the line, we seem to have a lot of trouble in, in congested areas blocking for as, as supposedly good run blockers as our offensive line is. That, that's, that was my point. I think that's, you know, we can, we've, we've gone back and forth uh, about, you know, we've gone back and forth about uh, what the causes are of the red zone issues or the lack of being able to punch it in. But, you know, lack of imagination in play calling and lack of ability of the offensive line to succeed in the tight spaces, or for that matter, wide receivers to succeed in tight spaces, quarterback to succeed in tight spaces. It just doesn't seem to favor what we like to do or, you know, and so look, on. look around the league and follow the trends, and where did all the touchdown passes go in week one? Tight ends. Well, I to tight ends. Everybody was going to tight ends. Everywhere around the league, people were throwing touchdowns to tight ends. We saw go in New England go with three and f- two, three, four wide tight end sets, and it's, that's what you get. When you get that look down there, what New, New England was doing was they are shipping power. All right, so you're going to match them up with linebackers. They know that some of their tight ends are athletic. They're going to split them out wide and get you, get you in situations where you can't cover it. It's where the league's going. You know, Heath Miller, of all respect in the world for the guy, he's still a pretty good player. But that's basically the end of our tight end group. <laughs> you know, after him, it's a couple of tackle eligibles. They need to get more depth position. They need to have guys who are athletic pass catchers, even if, you know, they're just a backup for in the next year or two, to, to be used in, in red zone situations where you could spread it out and have that second guy. You know, it doesn't always have to be a big, tall receiver. The Steelers just they do poorly with developing and, and, and utilizing, you know, more than one tight end in their offense. And that's probably one of the reasons they do struggle in the red zone. Yeah, well, I know somebody has been uh, advocating getting an athletic pass catcher at tight end for that very reason for about 10 years now. <laughs> the, guy, the guy who's driving the squeaky tart bandwagon, right? Yeah. Squeaky What's his name? I forget his name. What's that? Oh, I said, which, who, who was that poster again that uh, likes Jaquiski Oh, that likes Jaquiski Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've, whatever. It's like at this point, what are you going to do? It's like you can't, uh, you can't, uh, you know, they have their reasons for what they like in a tight end and the guys that they, even, even the other guys that they looked at, even the extra guys they brought into camp were all the same mold. So obviously they're not, they're not trying to get an athletic guy. They haven't been for a couple of years now, so they haven't even poached a guy off a practice squad or something like that that fits that that fits that mold. So they don't they, apparently they don't see it that way. Um, and I mean, you know, all the stuff that Ar- that uh, Arians, all the stuff that Haley says about offense, whenever he you know he feels like he's uh, got a forum to talk about, you know, his offensive mind, he's always talking about you know things that are not about scoring in the red zone. He's he's talking about stuff that's about possessing the football and about you know uh, having to 
a certain amount of balance in the offense. That's what he's really about. I don't think he's I don't think he's sitting at home scheming ways to score from the two yard line. But you know, as, as if the rest of us have time for that. Anyway, listen, guys, let's um, let's let's uh, one more thing to talk about since we didn't talk. I, I tried desperately not to talk about special teams last week on the show because you know I know our history of jinxing special teams, but we didn't talk about the kicker at all. And and here he missed the first two kicks. Do you do you think? This is a serious issue, or do you think it's kind of like he got he, he looked he looked kind of nervous for his first kick? Uh, FC, I'm kind of wondering, do we is this something that we you know or have our eye on to be a long term problem, or do you think he'll be all right? Oh, I think it's going to be a long term problem. I I hate to say it. Um, we we traded away a fifth or sixth round draft pick for a kicker that made his bones kicking in Florida and in decent weather. Welcome to the AFC North. This is going to be an ongoing issue. Well, great. Thanks for that bit of <laughs> thanks for that bit of optimism. Um, all right, well, Perch. Let's move on to this week's opponent uh, for a second. Let's talk about your San Francisco 49ers. It seems like like you. I mean, like I did. You watched a good bit of the their game, and I watched them actually a good bit in preseason as well. Um, what do you? What do you think of this team? I mean, I'll give you a specific question. Last week, people were praising the Steelers' defense. They were saying, well, at least, you know, they stopped the run against New England, and uh, they looked better doing that than they have in previous years. And I know FC and I are on the same page with this. I think the Steelers stopping the run is a bigger problem, and, and the only reason that they, they held the New England to a certain amount of yardage running was that New England had no desire to run it more than they did. I'm really concerned against San Francisco that – the 49ers, at least early in this game, are going to, you know, ground and pound us to death. Um, do you think they have the ability to do that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what they're built for. They're built, you know, they kind of remind me of like a 90s Steelers team where they've got the uh, Cordell Stewart athletic running quarterback and, and they're going to use formations and they're going to, you know, mo- you know, motion him out and they're going to do a lot of things with, with their backs and that's that's who they are and they're going to be physical and try and stop the run on, on defense and they're going to try and run the ball on you and possess the ball and control the clock. I mean, there was a while in that game where it almost looked like Steeler football where they were controlling the clock but not punching in for touchdowns and, you know, it was like, well, hey, they've got all these yards and all this time of possession but they're not, you know, putting up the points. So I think that's where the Steelers' hoax needs to be for this weekend is uh, – maybe jump out and build a lead on these guys quick and then, you know, limit, you know, let them, let them get their yards, but stiffen up inside the red zone and force them to field goals. But yeah, that's, that's what that team's built on. You know, Hyde looks like a really good back. Kaepernick's maybe the most, most athletic quarterback in the league. And those two, they're going to, they're going to get their yards. You just have to tackle them when they break through the line and try and limit what they do. But it's, yeah, it's going to be a slugfest up front. Hey, uh, FC, do you think there's a chance that neither team scores in this game? (laughs) <laughs> because they both they will out they will out stealer each other in terms of time of possession and uh, you know failing when they get into the red zone. Uh, it's possible. Uh, this is not a very good matchup on paper for the Steelers. Um, I'll explain why. Forty um, Niners have two tight ends. They run sub four five five forties and Vernon Davis and Vance McDonald. And you got a very, very athletic mobile quarterback and Colin Kaepernick. Big physical back with speed and Carlos Hyde. Excellent left side of the offensive line. Um, a center, second-year player uh, from USDA. His name 
Excuse me for a moment, Neil. Marcus Martin. Martin. Marcus Martin. Yeah. A very, very good player. Um, what intrigued me was uh, the right side of their offensive line was supposed to be the big problem. And Jordan Debbie um, from Memphis, going to be honest with you, never really heard of him. And I like the draft, and he's a second-year player out of Memphis, and I never – I wasn't familiar with him. It was pretty impressive. And Eric Pierce is a stealer killer. He's been in the league his rookie year. He came in and he shut out Joey Porter, I believe, whenever he played for Buffalo. Um, I have many concerns. Um, and his offense is built to attack the Steelers do. The Steelers have had problems with in the past on defense. This is a game where Lawrence Timmons, Ryan Shazier are safeties. This is going to be a physical game. This is where our front seven has to play well. Outside linebackers have to set the edge. Inside linebackers got to make the reads and make tackles. The Steelers could easily shut down San Francisco's offense. I don't think the San Francisco 49ers can shut down our offense, but they can keep us from possessing the fucking football with this ground and pound. We're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, wait for you to make a mistake, hit our tight ends. And I'm not even saying Rob Gronkowski tight ends. If we dump coverages, Davis and McDonald can run away from any defender we have on the field. So this is going to be a very tough matchup. Hey, uh, Perch, you know, for, for all the talk, when, when Shazir was drafted, of course, everybody was like, well, yeah, I see, I get it. He's a situational football player. He's, you know, to, he's a counter to these athletic tight ends. But I don't think that's the – I mean, to me, the good part of his game is if he's left clean that he can, uh, you know uh, – go and find the football and uh, attack downhill and so on and so forth. I don't see him as being a cover guy. Am I, am I missing something about his game? And no, he's actually I, I better mean, in coverage than I think? you're running a four, four, people think you're a cover guy, but if you watched him at Ohio state, he was a, you know, attack the line, find the gap, diagnose the play and attack downhill and tackle a guy for a three yard loss in the back. That was the strong part of his game. You know, pass coverage is, is more about, it's a, an acquired skill. It's something that you can take, you know, his movement ability and his ability to change directions and run fast and say, you know, with a little bit of coaching in a couple of years, this guy can be a really good coverage player too. You know, I don't think he's a horrible coverage player right now. He's not a great one either. Uh, he's somewhere, you know, he's a work in progress there. But, uh, you know, he's the, the good thing about him is if he does make a mistake in coverage, he's got the closing and, and catch-up ability to, you know, prevent that tight end from running away from him and, and, and breaking a big gain on the play. But, yeah, I, you know, I actually kind of like the way we match up against their run game better than I do how we match up against New England's passing game, if that makes sense. I think we've got a lot of players in our front seven where we can wave in those four outside linebackers and stay fresh with Timmons and, and uh, Shazier on the inside to kind of, you know, scrape and, and tackle and cover tight ends. I, I actually prefer, you know, this sort of matchup for the Steelers defense than I do, you know, playing against a high-powered passing attack. So, We'll see how it goes. I mean, hmm. they, they may get gashed. I mean, I have less fear of, of this sort of a matchup than I did for what we had last week. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, I saw what they what New England did with the running game. I and mean, I guess you can say the Steelers conceded that a little bit because they were, you know, protecting against uh, the pass, making big plays. But it just seems like what Carlos Hyde did time and time again in this game was, was uh, you know, they run this, they run the zone play and he cuts back and finds a gap and and is very good at getting through the gap like getting his head around so it just feels like i i've seen us numerous times get washed out 
uh, on this you know zone play without anything in the middle to kind of uh, stop it up. There's not much you know you got to. I don't know, FC. You you probably know this better than I. It seems like then you know we're counting on the backside of guys like uh, to it and uh, and either Harrison or Jarvis Jones to kind of shut down what San Francisco likes to do running the football. Correct. That's part of it. Part of it is the Steelers' defense of line and linebackers. Uh, a good bit of zone blocking is the, the key to it. Is the defense being over aggressive and making mistakes? getting deeper than the ball, allowing cutback lanes, um, uh, trying to be a fucking hero and make a play instead of, you know, saying gap responsible. And uh, if, if the Steelers read it, my big issue is missing tackles, which they did kind of against the Patriots. Yeah. If you read it and you make tackles and you limit the yards after carry, that's fine. I mean, I expect Hayward – and to it to make a few plays. Shazir actually made some beautiful reads. I mean, the run made three or four tackles for a loss. Loved it. Need Timmons to play downhill. I mean, I think Perch hit the nail on the head. One of the big things, we need to come out. We need to score. We need to attack. And uh, that's the, the best way to get, you know, Jimmy T to stop, you know, trying to pound you with the running game. Yeah, indeed. Well, Perch... You know, if, if they are, uh, you know, they get behind. I mean, they're, they're San Francisco, like the Steelers, they're going to continue to run, though. They don't. They're not going to abandon this. I think uh, so early. So, you know, is, is, how do you see this sort of playing out in terms of uh, the the way this matchup? You said you think it's you don't it doesn't scare you as much as New England. Does that mean that you think they'll have trouble moving the football, or do you think it's no, just, I mean, it just won't be quite as? If you win on first down, you kind of get them. You know, it's gonna if even on one drive, if you on one series of one drive, if Shazier jumps in and, and shoots a gap or two it beats a block and, and blows one of these zone running plays up in the backfield and you've got second and fifteen, that offense is not something that's designed to be able to overcome a second and fifteen. So what are they gonna do on second? Are they gonna have to pass twice with Kaepernick? Where you can kind of sit back, are they gonna try and run again and then face third and fourteen and 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 try and beat you that way? So it's just, you know, yeah, they're going to gash the Steelers a few times. Yeah, they're going to get positive yards. Yeah, they're probably going to ground up some chunks. But if you just have one big stop on an early down on any drive and you get them into a third and long, you know, Kaepernick's not the kind of quarterback who's going to sit back there and pick you apart. So, yeah, they may get 30 yards in a drive and you hold them to a field goal attempt or they have to punt for midfield or something like that. So just, you know, we're talking about points is the big thing is, uh, or they wouldn't be able to prevent them from scoring a lot of points, and I could see a lot of ways where the Steelers' defense can succeed, even if only for a play or two that turns a drive and enforces a punt or limits points. Yeah, speaking of them punting, uh, only San Francisco could get you know to let Andy Lee go and replace him with a guy who arguably has a bigger leg. <laughs> they're, they're, they, this is a team that knows how to find punters, apparently. They drafted um, that guy, though, you know. Yeah. And they spend like a fifth round draft pick on them. Oh, something like that, yeah. But when you play yeah. the style of football they play, you can, you know, sure. you, we we're totally aware of how much difference it makes because we have a similar team, you know. Um, hey, uh, how much advantage um, do you, do you think it is that the Steelers are going to see Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith out there? Because to me, it's the familiarity part of it is great, but I, I mean. I, not that I think the guy is a great matchup for anybody, but one would have to think that Antoine Blake is not going to start in this game. 
What do you guys? What, what's your take on it? I guess I guess that's I've, I've forgotten uh, who's hasn't had a chance to talk lately. Uh, FC, we'll throw it to you. I think you. I think it was Perch. So so okay. FC, what do you? Yeah, your take. Sorry. Um, Tory Smith scares me, of course. Um, and you have you can say what you want. I mean, I've been sitting in Quan been done ten years, but somehow, some way, he manages to continue to you know get it done. You know, Quentin Patton. Um, I I and I can't even name you who the the Forty Niners uh, fourth round receiver is. I think it's like DeAndre White or some shit like that. Some craziness. So I mean, I'm not. You know, Torrey Smith in the top off of coverage, you know, concerns me. Um, I would actually put Cortez Allen on him. And I know there's people in Sierra Nation that are going, what? I put Cortez Allen on him. Because I think Willie Gay is physical enough to play against Anquan Bolden and completely eliminate him from the game. But Anquan Bolden, Anquan Bolden is slower than, I think, um, every tight end on their roster. Yeah. You know, Davis McDonald. Selling. But he doesn't. He doesn't need to get separation, though. That's the thing with Anquan Bolton. Yeah, <laughs> I think I mean, he's better when there's a guy hanging on But I don't think. Him. But you're not. You're going to struggle to cheat. You know Willie Gay, and if you try to cheat Willie Gay by you know boxing him out like on a quick slant or something like that, Willie Gay is slick enough that he's going to slide around, take the ball, and score. And one pick six in this game, if it's a pick six early or something like that, top pick will go into a shell. And that accuracy will be gone. He'll be throwing fastballs at receivers' feet the rest of the game. Yeah, and I—I I mean, it's eight years on the show. I'm, you're, I'm starting to, you know, be affected by your thinking because that's exactly where I was leading you with the question. Is to me, you have, you know, you have these two guys that have proven they can they can perform at corner against, uh, you know, Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith. It, why not? You know, why not? go to what you know works. It didn't seem to affect last week when they, they previously had been successful putting Cortez Allen shadowing uh, Gronkowski all over the field and then completely abandoned that. It never happened uh, in the game on Thursday. So apparently the, the past means nothing um, to, to our Steelers coordinator. I don't know. Um, hey, uh, just one, one more quick thing for UFC. It was, we talked about Boykin not playing. In your experience because i mean my experience is that the the position coaches essentially determine which personnel goes in the game for which package now of course you know they 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 consult during the week with the head coach about what they want to try to do for certain matchups and so on i'm sure or with the coordinators but but ultimately during the course of the game if the court you know if if something is going on and they need to replace a player that that's generally a position coach kind of a thing so do we do we let Carnell Lake get off unscathed with the choices for personnel? Do we think this is strictly uh, is, is a Mike Tomlin Right? Is it is it is it a Keith Butler call? Is it a Carnell Lake call? Is it a Mike Tomlin call? You know, I think there has to be a little bit something more to it because he, did Boykin even really play on special teams? Did no, he, I, my, I don't think so. You know, so if if he didn't, it's my understanding he got a you know DMP. He did not participate. I have two. There's a thought on this. He did something to piss somebody off, and they're keeping it in-house, and Boykin's trying to play it off by saying, I don't know what's going on. Or the second thing is, and if this is true, I'm going to be fucking furious, is it has something to do with that trade with numbers of plays or participation in the amount of games, and they decide to, you know, just hold them out so it'll be a six-round instead of a fifth-round pick, and I'm not trying to, you know, have some type of conspiracy theory here. But if it's some bullshit like that, I will be furious. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, I but with that, the conditions of that trade were 60% of defensive snaps, and then it goes to a fourth rounder. I, I posed the same question on one of the threads on the board where I said, well, you know, it didn't make any sense for him. And he did play, I think he played like nine snaps on special teams and zero on defense. Oh, so he did so, play on special teams, yeah. You know, my, my conspiracy theory on the same thing was that uh, if you keep him out the first two games and say he's adjusting to the scheme – uh, and then you play him in the nickel the rest of the year, and he gets those 60% of the snaps, there's no way he'll get 60% total for the year. So maybe that was it. The other thing I thought was maybe they were going to play Cortez Allen in the slot for the first game to match up with Gronkowski, and then after that put Allen on the outside and put Blinken in the slot. But I don't know. I just I, I think they're going to go with the same lineup this week. Maybe Boykin, you know, rotates in and takes half snaps in the slot, just depending on matchups. But, again, this is a team that's going to run two and three tight end sets, you're going to want your bigger, stronger, more physical tackles out there, and so that would be the same three they had last week. So I think Boykin sits again would be my guess. Uh, well, Boykin's like actually like probably he's in like when it comes to physicality, probably below Willie Gay maybe because Willie Gay I just think is just nails, and that's it. I mean he. Boykin was a tough little back at Georgia. I remember watching him play well. I mean, he like he would come up and support the run. He wasn't soft. Cortez Allen is soft. Like I like a lot of things about him, but boy, is he ugh. he does not like to get his uniform dirty. <laughs> well, how about you know as much as they talk up Antoine White for being so strong and physical and Mr. Zilla and this and that was all other shit. There was two or three plays where he had an angle on a guy and jogged. He just basically gave up and let the guy score, let the guy get in. Gronkowski scoring. Yeah, the girl scored him. Touchdown. Let me put it this way. Back old Steelers, Bell back in the day would have rolled himself into a little ball and he would have cranked Gronkowski in the fucking head. <laughs> no doubt in mind. <laughs> yeah, even if he was crossing the goal line, most other, you know, prototypical Steelers defensive backs would have just laid up, you know, Turn on the speed and put a crack on the guy, knock him out of bounds, even if he scored. I promise you, Parnell Lake, whenever he played for the Stewarts, would have hit him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gary Jones. I mean, if the guy's only skill is being physical and a good tackler and he doesn't show effort and doesn't do that, and we know he can't cover, he lets everybody catch the ball five yards, you know, five or six yard pass, and then he tackles him five yards later. What the hell, what's the point of having him out there? He has no redeeming. Lee Flowers would have left, but he would at least try to hit him. And, and the, I mean, the thing is, Blake's one strength that he has, he doesn't have size, he doesn't have length, he doesn't have change of direction, he's not really a fast guy. His one strength is tackling, supposedly, that he was a sure tackler, and that's why they were playing him. And it's like, well, if, you, if, if on top of everything else you can't tackle, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the only thing I will say about it is I'm not sure that, you know, the, this is not a slot receiver kind of a team we're facing. So from that standpoint, you know, at least they're not going to have a – big change of direction guy there against Blake, but they will have guys that are bigger and more physical than him. So, I don't know. Hey, guys, uh, we've got a couple of callers on the line. I'm going to take one. I'm going to guess that this is our friend, Beth Steele. How are you, sir? Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Gentlemen, wait. All you right. tuned into the wrong show. Well, well, I'm going to try to keep it as peaceful as possible after that shit show. Anywho, first, the first, before I even go into what you think I was going to say, um, Mike Tomlin sucks. I mean, who? All right, I, I've seen everybody's opinion. Yeah, we do what we do. We, we 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 roll it out slow and sure. You know, let's see what we have in the first couple of weeks. But for Christ's sake, you had six months to prepare for this game. You know, and and 
I, I don't know what else to say other than that these guys are just not as good as we think they are. We expect way too much from them. And, you know, for the good things we did, we only let them have 28 points. Yeah, that, that, is that a victory? No, because we kicked 13 points off the board, and we, ended up, we could have ended up winning and could have been all happy. But, you know, that's here nor there. You know, we end up talking about goddamn headset issues, right? You know, instead of, you know. <laughs> and, and, for, and, and did I ever expect that to happen? Well, let me tell you, my blood pressure went through the roof during the game when that when I saw the beginning of the game. I don't know if you guys saw this. The very beginning of the game, you saw them all milling around before Ben came out on the field, and they were all like very heated discussion, pointing to the headsets. I'm like, oh no, don't tell me that there's problems. And sure enough, eight minutes or five minutes later, they come on the air and they say it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But you know, looks like the Steelers are going to go play the heel and say, all right, let's let's accuse them and then pull back. Ben wasn't pulling back yesterday. Sure, sure sounds like you know he gave a little bit more info up than than Tomlin did. And and you know whatever the NFL is going to do there, you know, hopefully it's part of the story that we're just going to end up winning the seventh uh, Lombardi this year, you know, and then I'll be happy. But you know, <laughs> I think. Uh, you know, the defensive backs, yeah, that's very, very concerning. We knew it. We see it. The Boykin situation, well, you guys just touched on it. That story about the draft pick and the amount of snaps, that's just unbelievable if that's what they're thinking. Where, where, those guys must be just so in the well together that, you know, I, I just can't come up with anything other, other to say other than that's just crazy. Get the guy on the field. You know, we've seen him play at Philly. He's a ball hawk. He can play, you know. Well, uh, here's the thing. I'll I'll, I'll give you, for instance, Beth. This is just, you know, reading tea leaves. It's that there's a a message. They're having issues with the team finding guys who will practice as hard as they play. Uh, They alluded to it when talking about camp with a couple of other guys. Um, Okay. And I I have a feeling that, you know, Blake is a real hard, try-hard practice guy. They love him. You know, and I think they they love him because he represents what they would like to get their more talented players to do. But you know, I I don't know how long you can live with that with a guy that is a, everyone else in the NFL thinks is a marginal NFL talent. Um, but I have a, you know that would be the one scenario I could see. SFC said maybe it's something that they didn't like that he did or said, and that you know they they kept well, that, it in house. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, there there was the stories that came out over the past week about how he's the thing with uh, the Eagles coach, well, how they hugged or didn't hug, say goodbye. There's a lot of that byline going on still in the news, of course, by a pansy lawyer and the rest of those talking heads. But yeah, that would be interesting if there's still something there that, that, that occurred and they're trying to reel them back. I don't know. Pull that crap away and get them on the field. This Steeler way or the highway crap. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, 2015 I, for Christ's sake. Well, okay, but Beth, I'll I'll talk you off the ledge for a second. You know, it's it's one week, and they play this thing to like you know build towards You're right. the rest of the season. You know, it's like they almost played that game as if they didn't care as much about winning as they did about getting better. So no, I, you're I, absolutely I right. You're absolutely. I, right. I don't agree I mean, with I, the strategy because it could you know. Half of my thinking is, yeah, let's just, you know, see what we have and then focus on the end of the year, getting the the dance. I I get it. But us guys, we we just like to see them 
win against that team for once, you know, without having some sort of controversy over the over, – which, again, now here we are. We have another controversy. Even though the Steelers did coaching, had coaching problems and execution problems, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball, but oh, we also have this headset thing. I mean, that's – if you get out 10 years down the road, what are they going to remember about that game? They're going to remember the headset. So – Yeah, indeed. Well, but, at any rate – All right. Uh, <laughs> Beth? Thank you for the call. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you back on hold so I can go to the next call. But Thanks, listen, guys. guys, you know, take Enjoy step off, game. step away from the edge. It's gonna be all right. Oh, we're fine. We're fine. You know, have a good one, we'll guys. Find out, we'll find out a lot this week. All right. Thanks for the call. Bye. And uh, we have with us a caller from Washington. I don't know if that's. I assume that's Washington State. Who's this? Orange Steel. Orange, how are you? Good, gentlemen. Nice to talk are to you after a long off season. You're the uh, president of the uh, I Love Mike Tomlin fan club, aren't you? Yeah. Um, you guys can just send your donations my way. I'll make sure it gets to Mike. And, uh, you know, whether it be for new he- new headsets or whatever he needs to just keep kicking ass. <laughs> new headsets. That's what he should get for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. What's, right. what's on your mind about this game? You You probably get to see a little bit of the Niners being on the West Coast. I see a lot of the Niners. I hear a lot about the Niners. Niners are kind of an interesting team to me. I don't think they were nearly as bad as they often appeared to be last year. Um, Thomas Sula is kind of hard to gauge right now. I love that little bit on Monday Night Football when he when they were showing all of his former past jobs. I mean, that's just hilarious. Um, Do you want to hear the West more hilarious? What's that? I am the first person that he spoke to as a paid coach. He was my first defensive line coach at Willow Hills High School, and I was uh, whenever he got introduced, he started writing defensive line drills, 1989, and uh, <laughs> I was one of the first group of people. I know him real well. I mean, like really he, well. So, wait, were the first words something? Did they include the words "fat fuck" or like what, what did he say? Meat, <laughs> meat. You need to step up and run this drill. Meat. M E D T. And the funny thing is, I wasn't a fat fuck at the I was like, but me, you know, step up and run this drill. And uh, the second words he had were to me were, let me bum a dip. And he took my can of snuff and he put it in his pocket and he kept it. I, I, I think, I think he's still, years uh, later, I remember this. Yeah. He still has that habit. Cause I saw him chewing, oh, I guarantee you chewing on the sideline. He was spitting all over the place. It was pretty funny. He was old school. It's hard to not like that guy, you know? I actually ran into him about four or five months ago. This past actually wasn't that long. Ago. Three or four months, he was at a Woolen Hills uh, coaching thing in Pittsburgh, and uh, I stopped back by. You know, they kicking a couple bucks, and he was there. Yeah, I went up and talked to him, and I uh, bummed. I was like, "Hey, I bummed a dip off you," and in my pocket, and I was like, I was walking away, and I gave it back to him. <laughs> and I was like, you stole my, you stole a dip off me in 1989, and he just. <laughs> Nicest guy you ever want to meet. He actually, if, if to be honest with you, he reminds me a lot of my high school football coach, who was his high school football coach at Still Valley, George Novak. And Jim Thompson was a wonderful guy. And I will be cheering for the San Francisco 49ers every week, except for when they play the Steelers. Wait, so, you, so you're saying you like this coach uh, personally more than the previous 49ers coach? Oh, I, I don't <laughs> know him personally, really, but I really like Jim Thompson. Just, uh, he's everything you would expect from Pittsburgh, you know, especially even 
like a stilton Pittsburgher. He's like the guy that's drinking at Chiotas and going to pants and that. You know, he's just pure Pittsburgh. Pants and that. <laughs> um, so, so Orange, uh, uh, what's your what is your take on this game? Are you are you feeling confident or bad? Question marks. Well, I, I don't. I'm. I'm kind of middle of the road on this one, but honestly, the, the one of the, the reasons why I call guys' feel on the schedule this year, I don't know if it was an oversight on my part, but we have a very difficult uh, schedule this year that I don't know why I'm just thinking about it now, but I'm looking through the first seven weeks basically to the Raiders game at home on uh, November uh, 8th. We have the Niners, the Rams, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. I mean, I don't want to – I mean, I don't Lions and Tigers that, and Bears. Yeah, oh it's like, a, it's yeah, like I'm at a, totally. at a zoo. But, um, I mean, I don't want to say this is as much of a must-win game that could be a must-win game in week two. But, I mean, we can't get ourselves in a big hole uh, to start the season because these, these, this first half of the season is just brutal. Yeah, I, I think it's a – you know, I mean, the, the the godsend is that we do seem to, you know, play a little bit better against better teams. Could almost worry more about that Oakland game than some of these jobs. But yeah, um, Perch, I'm thinking that that this game is. If you don't win this game, that means you have to steal a couple of other games later in the year that are going to be much much harder. Um, it's just the way the schedule is this year. They have they can't they have no room for error really on this, do they? Yeah, I mean, looking at it, they these first four weeks without Martinez Bryant, you've got to finish at least two and two you have to beat the Ravens at home because we seem to never win in Baltimore so pretty much this week and in that Baltimore game they've got to at least win those if they have a chance to make the playoffs they lose to you know San Francisco coming off of a short week uh, a a one o'clock game which is 10 o'clock their time after the Steelers had 10 days to prepare the the home opener of the year if if they lose this game it's uh, it spells a disaster for the season I think so I think he's right on the money with that they've got to win FC, were you disagreeing with that? No, I completely agree. I thought the Steelers' schedule was brutal. Came out, and I said, "We'll put them more on." I guess we're going to find out. It's it's not, yeah. you know, cakewalk by any stretch. When people look on and they see the 49ers last year were terrible, you know, nobody wants to really acknowledge that the Rams got a really stout defense. If Donald's out for extended period of time, though, for them that's going to be a big problem. They, they have high-quality players. I'm not saying otherwise, but Donald, he's he's really good. And, uh, you know, we got the Ravens, I mean, Bengals. We got, we, we, you know, we, we have some early division games. And, you know, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're the team that everyone hates or loves, and more people hate us than love us. So we're going to be getting hunted, you know. So yeah, the way it is. Well, um, the you know, Orange, I was going to say to you, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about what the Niners will be able to do against the Steelers uh, as far as the Niners' offense. Niners' defense against the Steelers, you know, they, they, they certainly have some amazing, uh, you know, sort of the, the safety play, the middle of their defense, pretty good. It's the, the edges maybe more of a question, correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Bowman Stout, you know, up the middle, I think their secondary is phenomenal. I'm very jealous of their secondary. I mean, they were flying around out there like crazy on, on Monday night. Um, 
I mean, do we have the receivers right now to match up well against them? I mean, I think so, but you know, the, the offensive line has got to give Ben some time to make some make some plays and 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 you know, not be completely under fire. Kind of like Bridgewater. I mean, Bridgewater just looked horrible to me on Monday, but I mean, he was running for his life, uh, you know, for most of the game. So, yeah, I mean, they just got to come out firing on all cylinders. And I think too, the key is I, I put this in one of the threads too. I think that Kaepernick still looks really uncomfortable in the pocket. I mean, he's mobile. He's kind of a Wilson kind of guy. I think he's actually better on his feet than Wilson is. But um, I think they got to keep try to keep him in the pocket, make some pocket throws, or at least be you know put in a position where he has to make the pocket throws because he doesn't look comfortable in the pocket to me still. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, um, Perch, what's your take on this uh, that particular question in terms of? the Steelers offense attacking them. Do you, you see this as being the, the safeties being as big an issue as I do? He said the Steelers offense against 49ers defense. Is that what the question was? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the 49ers corners. I think their safety play is really, really good. But if you could spread it out and get three decent receivers on the field, you know, I, I don't think the 49ers maybe have, you know, Tremaine Brock, maybe one decent corner. But beyond that, I, I think the Steelers can get some matchup advantages. This is a game that not having Martavis Bryant really hurts. Um, you know, Darius Hayward Bay is who he is, and maybe we can get one of our two rookie uh, receivers to step up. And if we can get three receivers and spread them out and go up tempo a bit, I think they could take advantage of that secondary. So we'll, we'll see what they choose to do. You know, the first half will probably come out running and, and throwing short until we're down 10 points before they open up the offense. But if they come out aggressive and attack, I think they can make hay against the 49ers secondary. Yeah, but CFC, I'm, I mean, I'm just to play devil's advocate to what Perch just said, I feel like when you have Navarro Bowman in the middle and you have uh, Eric Reed, that you're going you're gonna to limit what the Steelers can do to the edges a little bit. That makes them a little bit easier to, to play against, doesn't it? To a point. But uh, on the other hand, you got to remember San Francisco's got three former defensive coordinators on that staff: Mangini, Clancy Pendergrass, and Tim Lewis. Those are three bright football minds. Now, there's only so much. I think the Steelers can get wins against the San Francisco's defensive line and wins against their corners. I think we're going to have a tough time with their outside linebackers and their outside linebacker depth. The linebacker depth overall, then five players. If you look. Um, at Monday night against the Vikings. San Francisco, I had five sacks. I believe two of the sacks came from defensive backs. Tart had one, and um, I believe it wasn't Jimmy Wolf. The other safety actually had one. So they're, you know, whenever they win on rundowns, they're coming with exotic blitzes. And, you know, we can say what we want about Tim Lewis from his time here. He worked under Capers and Lobo. You can say what you want about Clancy Pendergrass. He was really successful in Arizona, you know. Um, and I, Mangini's Mangini. Bill Belichick called him the smartest coach he's ever had on his staff. And Belichick's a cheating fuck. I understand that. For him to give a compliment <laughs> to a guy that left him, you know, that, that, that's a lot coming from Belichick. So um, we're going to have to beat them with an X's and O's. We're gonna have, Marcus Gilbert's going to have to win matchups. Um, Benjamin or, or, or Kelvin Beach is going to have to win matchups. Our interior offensive line is going to have to be solid. You know, if our five, if we can control the box on both sides of the ball, we have to be able to run the ball between the tackles, and we have to be able to stop between the tackles. We'll win the game. I know that sounds hilarious. You could have said that in, about Chuck Noll Steelers in 1985. But 
it's still true today, especially in this game. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, Orange, anything else for us before we move on to our predictions for the game? No, I look forward to hearing your guys' predictions, and uh, thanks again for doing the podcast, guys. Thanks for calling, bud. All right, take care. Our pleasure. Okay, well, uh, FC, I'm going to start with uh, Perch. We'll give you the awesome. we'll give you the final word today that you've decided to grace us with your presence. Perch, <laughs> how do you how do you see this game playing out in terms of uh, your prediction for what goes on in the score? Um, I, I kind of you know the eternal optimist in me, and, and I'm going to be at the game, and I don't want to predict defeat in the game I'm going to. So <laughs> I think the Steelers come out a little bit more aggressive early in the game, get a bit of a lead. I think that they're able to establish the pass and then uh, work the run off of that to be able to control the game somewhat. I think they're able to put up 26 or 27 points. They give up three scores to the Niners, and they finish, we'll call it 26-21 Steelers. Oh, oh. Yeah, well, uh, FC? I think Perch is going to be very, 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 very uptight in the first quarter. Um, I think San Francisco is actually. <laughs> wait, wait, just for the record, per- Perch is uptight always. So. No, he's not. He is a good man. He's a Go scholar ahead, and a gentleman. Um, <laughs> I think the Steelers are going to play fucking uh, close to the vest, basically horrible football. When I mean horrible, I mean boring football in the first quarter. I think the Steelers are going to probably end up taking control of this game in the second quarter. Um, by the end of the third quarter, I think the Steelers will have the game under control. I think the fourth quarter, the Niners are going to make a little comeback. I have the final score, Steelers 31, San Francisco 49ers 26. And, uh, yeah, I was going to go with – I was actually thinking 27-21, and then Perch came with his score, and I was like, all right, we've got to change that shit up. We've got to be a little bit different, <laughs> more different than that. Well, so, also with the you know the things that are crazy this year with the missed extra points and the, you know you never know. Um, I uh, I am going to predict a kind of a low scoring game by NFL standards. I think that San Francisco is going to uh, Perch will be nervous early in the game because I I think it's going to take the Steelers a little while to flip the switch from New England to San Francisco. They're so different in their approach. Uh, I have a feeling that it'll take a little while to get the run game sorted out. And in the meantime, um, also on the offensive side, you know, it's a different kind of defensive matchup. I think their defense is a lot better than New England's defense. Uh, I, I kind of expect the same sort of thing. A game that goes back and forth a little bit. It's played very close to the vest. Kind of ugly football, if you want to put it that way. Uh, I, I will take the Steelers, though, to, to um, kind of be there at the end and maybe give us, you know, some little some nerves. I see a 23-20 Steelers win. And I think, you know, if the score is tied at the end of the game and the Steelers are kicking a field goal to try to win it, I think all of us are going to be like, ugh. <laughs> you know, whereas when you have when you have uh, switched them, you think, yeah, you know, this looks pretty good. We're probably going to do this. And uh, I think for the rest of the year, we're probably all going to be on pins and needles every time the kicker goes out there. Um, so anyway, my prediction, 23-20. My prediction, pain. Like a very, a very physical game. And uh, I think the best thing to hope for is that there aren't any serious injuries in this game because I think it's going to be a couple of teams that have are trying to establish themselves on defense by hitting people. So we shall see. Uh, FC, give you your last word. Um, it's going to really bust my balls, actually, Jim, and cheer against Jim Tom Sula. But, I mean, it's got to be done. 
it's yours first. Family or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Perch? Free Martavis Bryant. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's a whole different season. I mean, everything we talk about is completely different when he, he adds that much to the offense. You have so much more confidence in this team and so much more, more confidence in the ability of them to score quickly and, and do what we know they can do. It just I'm having trouble watching these first four games thinking, God damn it, if Martavis Bryant was out there, this would be a different ball game. So, I just like I said, hopefully we can win at least two of the first four and, and then three Martavis, and uh, the season actually begins week five. Well, listen, until then, free Sammy Coates. That's my last word. <laughs> it's like, you know, we didn't mention we didn't mention this the whole game or the whole broadcast, but you know, the thing is, if you got the guy as a as a safety blanket, uh, a safety net for Bryant missing time, at least Coates offers a little bit of that element. I I don't know that anybody really fears Darius Haywood Bay uh running down the field. I mean, maybe they do, but you know, and it's not like he was he was terrible, but he was not he was not good enough in the previous game. And I think you know, I would like well, to think that Coates Tyler Murphy, more, but... Any, like anybody's even going to cover Tyler Murphy. I mean, the whole thing with Coates, at least he's a decoy. You know, people are going to say, "Hey, the fast, big, tall, fast guy's out here. Let's cover him." Maybe he frees somebody up. Tyler Murphy runs on the field. Nobody's paying any attention to that guy. They're going to yeah. try some bullshit reverse pass. Some bullshit reverse pass. Well, that would reverse. <laughs> Well, the thing is, that's that trick play they tried to Antonio Brown. If they, if they had done it with Tyler Murphy, it might have worked better. Anyway, all right, guys, on that note, uh, let's let's try to reconvene after a Steelers victory for a change. What do you guys say? It's been a while. We need to see Don't you play the Raiders? They'll see you week eight after the Raiders game. <laughs> no, that's, that to me is like scarier. I'm, I'm okay this week. It's, it's the, the Raiders game that scares me, always. All right, gentlemen, uh, and I use the term very loosely. Thanks for a good show. On behalf of uh, my, my friends here, FC Perch, uh, and uh, the rest of the gang at SteelerFury.com, including our callers, Bethlehem Steel and Orange Steel, uh, appreciate it, guys. Uh, see you next week after a big Steelers win. I'm Bradshaw to Ben saying, go get them, Steelers. Ooh, Steelers, for EJ. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.